She's a doctor. Hi, I'm Dr. Dobek, and she's a dietitian. Hey, I'm Hannah Schuyler, and together we are the, the Doctor Dietitian Collab. I feel giggly. Why do you feel giggly? <laughs> because, because I realized that we were like very serious. We were talking about what we were going to say, and then all of a sudden you're like, "Are right, you ready?" And then you had to put on this big smile so it doesn't sound <laughs> like we're like, "She's a doctor." Yeah. So we don't sound like serial killers. I know, you guys. We really are sitting like three <laughs> feet apart from each other, maybe, and just like staring into each other's eyes. It's very intense. very intense. So I I felt giggly when we did the (laughs) intro there, but I'm also feeling giggly because today we are talking about a bariatric potpourri. Potpourri. And I just looked up, I'm like, what is the definition or the origin of the word potpourri? Uh Do you know? It's French. It is French. Okay, that's all I know. Um, Okay, are you ready? It is of French origin. The word is French. It means a jar or pot in which a mixture uh, has rotted. Oh. Yeah, and not only that, guess what? Is potpourri bad feng feng shui? Yeah, you should avoid keeping them in the house because potpourri represents dead or dying energy, which again creates a vibration of inability to move forward with your thoughts or ideas. Wow, that is wildly different than I think what we intended for this to be. (laughs) I think we were just talking about a mixture. It's just a mixture. Random things. Yes, and we we today it is all the FAQs all in one mixed bag of rotting thoughts. Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna mm. mix it up, but we're gonna we're gonna do the the, the opposite. It's going to be yeah. things that are going to get your questions answered because there's a lot of things both yeah. in the early post op period and beyond. Maybe we'll call it a bouquet. Instead. The bouquet, yeah. You know, it's mixture and a bouquet. I don't think has any negative. I don't think so. Yeah, we're looking up while you're chatting. Potpourri of like. You know, the stuff you put in a bowl in the bathroom. Yeah. Which, does anyone use potpourri anymore? You know what's crazy? I had so much potpourri in my bathroom and in my childhood bedroom. Yeah. And I loved it. Like, I used to have, like, these little, like, cushiony packets Like the of sachets it. where you put it yes. in, like, in the drawer or whatever. In your drawer. Yeah. Your underwear drawer. So it'd yeah, be, like, extra like special. Yes. I always think of you as so much younger than me, which you are, but you did this stuff too. I feel like I had one, at some point one, but I don't oh. think we kept potpourri like in the house otherwise. Oh. But I do think I had like a sachet of it somewhere or my mom had it. I don't remember, but yeah, like I know that concept. Yeah. yeah. So potpourri. we're just also not big scenty kind of people. So I know. we didn't have a lot of like, like scented candles or clean yeah. plugins or anything like that in our house. Yeah, we didn't either, but we sure rocked that My potpourri. My mom has the nose of a dog hound, like a hound oh. dog. So, like, any, she smells anything. So, she, like, all of that was way too intense for us oh to Oh, my keep. gosh. Yeah. yeah. She'll walk in anywhere and she's like, what's that? What's that? I smell something. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it's intense. Poor lady. Oh, Judy, um, I hope you're listening. Hey, yeah, now. right? Hey, dude. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Our biggest fan. She is. Um. Well, anyway, yeah. So, this is just, like, a bouquet of frequently asked questions and things we hear all the time. Yes. And so we decided that we're going to structure this and we're going to first start off with the early post-op questions. Us structuring something is a big deal. I want you all to know that. (laughs) It is. That's why we were so serious. And then it's like, she's a doctor. (laughs) I'm like, hey, I'm smiling and laughing. We just went to lunch too. We did. We're we're really- It's uh, been a good day. It has been a great- It's been very lovely. It's it's been lovely, like some, like the bouquet of flowers we're about to talk about here. Yes. But anyway, so yeah, we're going to start with some early post-op right around surgery questions questions. Yes. Um, and then we'll talk about some of the things that kind of happen three, six, 12 months, years after. Surgery. Yeah. So here yeah. we go. Buckle up. Let's go. So, oh, go ahead. I was going to say the first one. I got to start off yeah. with this one. Start. Is what happens to the bypass stomach? Mm. 
I know. Yeah, I want to hear it from your words because I could technically, like, what happens is I use a, uh, you know, like a very, <laughs> yeah. like, and if you've watched our YouTube special where yeah. we actually show an unedited gastric bypass on YouTube, you can watch it. You could see what happens, but how would you describe that? So it just kind of stays in place pretty much like you separate it physically it's cut away from the the pouch but otherwise it stays right there because it's connected to the blood supply it's sitting there in my mind like prior to watching surgeries because of how they always illustrate it it really looks like they like move it and float it out into like your body cavity just like randomly but it's not. It's still, like, attached to its whole blood supply. It just hangs out there. Um, it's disconnected, but it's still on the bottom is connected to the uh, small intestine. Yeah. So it's still producing its juices, um, the acid and everything, and those are going to move downstream and then meet up with the food further down. But it's just it's just there. It's just there. Yeah, it's not yeah. floating away. I, no. I think that's true. So nothing happens to it. Right. Wah, wah. It's kind of boring. It's, it's just, just like deflated there. Yeah. The stapling device that we use, it staples, it seals, and then it separates the stomach from the stomach from mm-hmm. itself. And so that's why you want to make sure that I completely separate the pouch from the remaining 95% that's bypassed mm-hmm. because if I don't completely transect that, then you would have a gastrogastric fistula, GG fistula, which is no good because you have a horrible acid reflux and there's uh, impact your weight loss and it's a mess. But yeah. that never almost, I mean, knock on wood, I've, I've never seen it with a laparoscopic okay. procedure because... Laparoscopic, again, we can get way up there and we can see with these high definition magnified images, you can see like if I separated it off or not. Some, right. Sometimes yeah. the liver can be so heavy and thick that it's it's difficult to really get up to the diaphragm. It's really tough. Mm. And that's why we want you on clear liquids and we really want to shrink your liver and all of that sort of thing. But, you know, otherwise it shouldn't really happen. Separate. But that's, that's, that's the thing. So they want to be separate. You don't want any yeah. fistulas. You don't want any connections. You want the bypass stomach to be bypassed from seeing and storing food. Perfect. So it's just it just hangs out and just hangs thing. out. Now the sleeve stomach, it goes. It's gone. gone. When it's gone, it's gone, and it goes to medical waste. It in case does. You want to know where it goes? Yeah, we yeah. just we just toss it. Sometimes we'll send it to pathology. There's. You know, they might find a bacteria called H. pylori in it. Um, but for the most part, they don't really find much. Yeah. So that's that. Yeah, that one's gone. When it's, it's an ectomy, gastrectomy, the stomach is removed. Um, I cannot put it back or sew it back. It's yeah. gone. Once it's gone, it's gone. Yeah. So that's that with the sleeve. So let's talk a little bit about the diet early on and sort of the mentality behind going from full liquids to pureed to soft foods. Like, why is that a why is that like a transition? And this yeah. is not just bariatrics. That's sort of like a isn't that like transition in all of like dietary stuff? Yeah, depending on kind of what's going on, a lot of times you will kind of like ease back into a, a solid diet, depending on you know, especially if it is a GI issue. Mm-hmm. Now, if it's some other issue, a lot of times you can probably go. You know, you might be on liquids or something for a few days, but back to a normal, but probably anything with the gut. Yeah, you're going to ease back into it. Now, of course, the rule is if you can feed the gut, you do feed the gut. So that's why we don't use things like uh, TPN or total parenteral nutrition, which is when it goes through the bloodstream. Um, That's only when your gut 
is not working. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't do that to you. We, your gut still works, so we're going to feed it. Um, but yeah, I think the, the reasoning behind is one, you're just not going to tolerate anything, you know, especially the first week, those liquids, it's really important. You have those incisions or the, the staple sites inside. We want those to heal. We need all of that tissue to like fuse back together. You have, you know, in the bypass, you're going to have some stitching, you know, not just the staples, but actual stitches and things like that. So those need time. They need to rest. They don't need to be trying to digest highly fibrous foods or really heavy protein, you know, things that are are harder to digest. We don't want those. Um, And so, yeah, you just kind of are going to ease into it. And then same with like the puree, because really when you're chewing anything, it's going to probably get down to about a puree consistency anyway. But Mm. by doing that, it allows you just to, to take in, again, starting to see what do you tolerate, what works for your stomach, you know, adding into what you're getting from your protein shakes and all of that. Sometimes I even say like for people who really struggle, I'm like during the puree week, you're almost eating for pleasure. You're just trying to kind of see you're getting a taste of something that's a little bit different. You're tick of the protein shakes, but you can keep using them to really kind of meet your needs. And then Mm -hmm. you start just adding in little bites of things here and there till you tolerate. Some people just jump both feed into straight into puree because they're like if i ever see another protein shake again uh, yeah like i can't and that's fine too it's really what you do tolerate and 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 work with and then into the soft food same kind of thing it's just easing everything back into being able to be used to normal food yeah so make sure no matter where you go as yeah. always follow your program's yes. dietary progression in yeah. the early post-op phase I would, say, as there's well. a, I would say there's a lot still people that do a two-week liquid mm-hmm. phase i still hear that sometimes. Yes. So So. there's such a varying before prep, before surgery, how long to be on liquids before, Mm -hmm. what type of diet. Some people put you on even structured programs, like um, some of these brand name things I've seen. Yeah, like Octavia or... or Yeah, I've seen that. We don't don't go there. No. I I don't think it's necessary. We've talked about it before. We do the three-week starch free diet and then two days of clear liquids and... I don't, I think everyone does just fine. They do great. I'll tell you, I don't know. I think our patients are so compliant. Like their livers, I don't know. Since I've been operating again in April, every Mm -hmm. case I've done, I'm like, oh my God, these livers are so beautiful. I I, I put the camera and I look immediately. I'm like, oh yeah, baby. Yes. It's going to be a good day. It sure is. I mean, I love it. All right. Some, so some other questions in the early post-op mm-hmm. period. I have another one and then I know you have a bunch too. Yeah. So mine I'm going to take, I'm going to answer this okay. one. And it is, um, oh my God, I just went to the bathroom and I pooped blood. Mm. So I get that. And it is frightening as I'll get out to see blood in the toilet. Yeah, And we've talked about this on our acute complication episode in the earlier, um, you know, I think a few, a few ago, but anyway, uh, about uh, bleeding after surgery and when is this scary and when is it not? Mm-hmm. So, so th- the thing is, you have to understand is that when we are stapling the sleeve or stapling on the small intestine or making the stomach pouch or hand sewing, there is cutting that's involved. And so, yes, you hope that all those little tiny vessels are sealed, but sometimes when you cut, it oozes and then 
that blood, albeit small, will flow through your GI tract. So you might see some like, oh, that's maroon. That is blood that's Mm -hmm. in there because blood, again, is a laxative that races through your system. So if you see a little bit of blood in the toilet, you feel fine. You're like, I feel fine, but that that looks scary. Or even if it's a fair amount, like a little bit of a clot that comes out and and then that makes the water dissipate. It's sort of like women when you're on your period. It's very similar. But you're like, no, that definitely is per rectum. Like that's definitely that was I pooped that. Yeah. And so if you see that, you know, of course let let us know. You can if you want. But a lot of times if you don't feel like you're gonna pass out, you don't feel weak, you're staying hydrated, you feel good and it was just a little bit, what goes in must come out. If it oozes, it's gonna come out. You might even vomit a little bit and then it should pass. Now, if you stand up and you feel like you're going to pass out or that's something different, but the oozing along the staple line that will ultimately be rate limited, self-limited, and then it passes out, totally yeah. fine. Totally fine to see that. So yeah. don't don't panic. Not all blood is bad, especially if you feel good. No. Yeah. And and the other thing you might notice uh, is your stool turning dark. Yes. Which is a, a, you know, can be a sign of a GI bleed. A lot of people will, that's kind of the first sign that they have something like an upper GI bleed. So, because the blood turns mm. black as it oxidizes, right? But it could also be because you're taking iron now. Yes. And iron will turn your stool darker. Um, yeah. Same kind of process. It oxidizes and dark so, and painful. Dark, painful, or tarry sometimes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you may notice that and it can be hard to distinguish. Again, if you're noticing dark stools and you feel fine and like everything feels great, it could just be from that that iron supplement that you're taking. Mm-hmm. Um, or if, I, if you're over the age of 45, as you re- may recall from our Hot Girls Poop 2 episode, you need to make sure that you have your screening colonoscopy anyway mm-hmm. and just have a look-see up there. Yeah. Just make sure Doesn't everything's hurt. good. Doesn't hurt to look. Yep. That's so, that. There's that. So, what other questions do we have about the early post up here? One I always get is, um, what about these? What about my incisions? What mm. do I need to do? Am I like, can I do stuff? Can I sleep this way? Like, is this glue? Should I pick at it? Like, what? What's going oh, on? Oh, so the good. So, well, the one of the comments you just made about how should I sleep? Yeah. So I tell people, I don't care what position you sleep in. I don't care if you lay on your side, on your back even on your abdomen or suspend yourself from the ceiling. That's all fine, whatever you got to do. But you want to sleep in a position that you could potentially string together a couple of consecutive hours of rest. Mm-hmm. And especially in the beginning, you're going to be up and down. You'll be walking around. You'll be sore. You're going to have the pressure. It's just hard to get comfortable. So I would suggest that when you're trying to set yourself up, I tell my patients take two Tylenol and two Gas-X and put a bunch of pillows behind you so that you're more upright and maybe even resting or sleeping in a reclining chair the first few nights. So it will be kind of a lifesaver because it just takes the pressure off of stretching out your abdomen. Yeah. Kind yeah, of a thing. That makes sense. And then too, if, if you have any issues with like reflux or something, that's a helpful one too. Yes, exactly. So just get comfy. Now, mm-hmm. the second thing, as you were saying about the incisions. Mm-hmm. So your incisions are going to be little tiny incisions, four little ones the way I do it, two out to the side, two near the belly button. They're going to have a thin layer of waterproof skin glue. So it's waterproof. So you can get it wet. Again, every program is different, but I don't care if you shower the day of. So if your surgery is Monday, you can go home on Monday if you're like, oh, I'm disgusting. There's prep. There's dry blood on my side. They missed a spot. Like 
no worries. We will just go ahead and you can shower. I'm even fine with soaking in tubs or even going to hot tubs or pools. I mean, we're in Florida, so it's hot and that's all fine. I would just suggest that you keep your incisions clean and dry after, and then you can, um, I would not put any antibacterial lotions or ointments, or some people put like coconut oil or something to try to reduce scarring. Mm. I also do not use a Bovie electrocautery. So that means that I don't burn the skin. So I think sometimes that's what gives you those hypertrophied or keloided scars, that thickness to the scar. So I don't burn your skin. I hold pressure and I just, you know, make sure that that all the oozing stops. You might get a bruise. We've talked about that too in the past, but that's something. So you can, you can go for it. You can go for it with those incisions and all of that sort of thing. And the glue will just kind of fall off on its own, right? Exactly. The glue will either fall off on its own or sometimes that thing is like, all right, guys, it's been a month. And that thing is still not giving up and it is holding yeah. on for dear life. So if the edges start to roll up at about a week post-op and they're snagging on your clothes or itching, they're annoying, you just want it gone, you can start to pick it off yourself. Okay. Just pick, pick, pick. And just and keep then it, it clean. Yep. And just, and then give it the old, like, it's like peeling off a, uh, like a liquid band-aid. That's like, yeah. like, just, we'll just, just put it off. And then yeah, clean and dry. They will heal. Now, sometimes you'll even get like a little piece of the stitch, which is Vicryl, mm-hmm. which is an absorbable suture. You'll see that kind of start to show it itself sometimes. Sometimes, like you'll what we call spitting a stitch, and if that happens, just lift up and you can cut it. You might not want to do that yourself, but yeah, that's something else okay. there on the incision. And if care. not, just leave it; it'll go away. Exactly, exactly. So the other one people always ask us is, when can I go back to work? Mm. When can I pick up my kid? When can I? lift weights, exercise, all of that kind of stuff. So this is one I just like to say is common sense. I hate to say like you cannot lift more than 15 pounds for greater than two weeks because there's really nothing that you're going to do from a movement standpoint that's going to mess up anything on your insides. The only thing you can do is if you were to eat something you should not be eating, like a piece of really well done steak or that raw broccoli at a two days post-op, yeah. I mean, yikes, like, no, 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 you don't want to go there right. at all. So you just got to let everything just simmer down and heal up and everything's good there. But as far as movements, um, if you feel like you could do it and it's not going to cut like, oh, I am so sore. Like some of you are just gingerly walking back into your houses and cl- slowly climbing your steps and just, whew, you know, like I'm tired, I'm, I'm beat up. That's the last thing you want to do is some ab exercises. Yeah. So if you don't feel like doing it, don't do it. Now, on the flip side of that, some of you, you know who you are, which is a lot of you are now like these type A overachievers are like, you know what? I want to show everybody like, look at me, my watch. I walked like 10,000 steps today or I like did all this stuff. Like I I, I went to Disney while I was in town visiting to have this like, yeah. whoa, like yeah. if you're sweating, weak, lightheaded, like I, I need to relax, Um, then Honestly, your body ain't going to lie to you. So no. do that more than any other advice. Yeah. Plus you're, I mean, if you think about your intake during that first week, Ooh. you are, a lot of times people are getting three, 400 calories and, you know, they're just doing a couple shakes a day. You're going to be like, you're going to be worn out. So it is important to listen to your body. And then sometimes you have to also be like, no, my brain's in charge here. And I have to, I, even though maybe I feel good because like you feel good coming out of surgery and all that, it's like. We still don't need to push it that hard. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Zen. Let's calm down. Let's calm down. Now, return to work is also very variable because everybody does a little something different. Mm -hmm. If you have more of a desk job, 
you know, you can work remote, you can work at home, you have access to your kitchen, you can walk around, you can take breaks, you can relax and rest, you know, whatever, get your work done whenever you can. If you have more of that job, then I mean, I don't care. You can go right back the next day. If you need a work excuse note, FMLA, I mean, we do. I'm sure most programs will help you out with that paperwork. At our program, we say, um, all right, we'll give you to four weeks. And then it's like, all right, that's enough. Like, yeah. you, you, it's time to go back. The gig's up, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, so anywhere from one day to four weeks off. So if you do have a more strenuous job, if you are in healthcare, a nurse, you have to move patients, you have to push wheelchairs, you have to, um, you're a firefighter, you, you get it. Like, yeah. if you have that, then I would take some time and chill out. Yeah, for sure. Because it's just, again, you're, you're just going to be a little bit weaker. If you're sitting at a desk, um, I do find that sometimes people are like, oh, yeah, I can go back. Like they get their surgery on Monday and they're like, I think I'll be good to go back by Wednesday. And then they're like, hmm, I think I'm going to wait till Monday. Almost you always. Know? But I'm like, like yeah, whatever. It's up to you. It's but up I've, to you. I've had people that do that. They're like, yeah, I started back, you know, two or three days later and felt just fine. Or they got surgery on a Thursday and they were back the following Monday. You know, they kind of took one took Friday off and then the weekend and then. Back, yeah. to, back to their desk. Now, again, maybe not going into work, maybe work from home, but... Yeah, I would work from home again, yeah. chill it out. Yeah, some of our patients are just like, they go for it. But I like to talk about that first night after surgery mm-hmm. where patients, you know, they're trying to sleep more upright. They're trying to get comfortable. It's going to be a long kind of night, that sort of thing. But I, I have, you know, the night before surgery... You are very nervous, probably. You're restless. Like, you don't want to miss your alarm. You've been working so hard for this. Last thing you want to do is, like, sleep through it. Like, oh, I just slept through my surgery. So you're going to be just so superficially sleeping. Yeah. And then you don't get much rest. And then you show up, and then you have this major surgery, and you're just, like, oh, beat up, and then you're sent home. And then here you are again. Now it's night two of no sleeping. And then... I mean, gosh, I warned everybody, like, if you're weepy, like, extra emotional, oh, yeah. then that is also very normal. The crying will stop. The the buyer's remorse will end. And, yeah, yeah we're here for you. So go to the support group if you are like, what oh, people will be like, oh dude, God. that passes. When yeah. the, I always say when the sun comes up on the first day, it's like, all right, I made it through the night. Like, uh-huh. I did this. Like, you're going to start to turn a corner. Yeah. You really will. Yeah. It'll it'll all be good. It will be. All right. So now let's kind of pivot to that was like the most common questions I think we get like right around surgery. Of course, there's more. If we think of them, we'll throw them in there. But uh, now let's look. Okay. It's been a couple months. Maybe it's been. All right. We know the magic number for this. Four months. What's going to happen? Yeah. At around three, four months post-op, this is your most rapid weight loss. So the scale is getting fun again. The plateau is ending. You're picking up on that weight loss. But guess what else is lossing? Losing. Losing, <laughs> you are going to start losing your hair, maybe. Yes, maybe, and um, and that's something that a lot of patients rightfully so, are panicked about. Yeah. So we wanted to tackle it. I thought about doing a whole episode on hair loss, but I think we can cover it in just a matter of a, few, a couple yeah. of minutes here. So why does this happen? And it is the period of most rapid weight loss, and therefore, your body is going to want to hold on, protect what it can. And so hair is 
considered to the body as survival the most arbitrary thing. Yeah. So you'll start to to temporarily lose it. Yeah. So what can you do to prevent it? And why is that happening? It's because you're not getting in enough protein. Almost always. You might be like, I think I am, but you're not. You're just yeah. not. You're in that weird time where you still have so much restriction and you're like oh, almost like exhausted by eating and you don't have much drive to eat. And it's like, you got to push through that breakfast, lunch, dinner, protein, protein, protein. We have tons of animal protein options and tons of plant protein options yeah. available on our episode guides. Read them, figure it out, talk to Hannah, get a customized meal plan, do whatever it takes mm-hmm. to get your protein in during that critical time period if you want to prevent that potential temporary loss of hair. Yeah. And then the other thing with it is that hair is like on a cycle. It's like a 90, 90 or 120 day cycle. Oh, good point. That you lose it. And so it usually it's like months three to six. It just keeps falling because you're like losing that like cycle of hair. Ah. And then so like at six months, a lot of times or nine months, you'll kind of start to see that baby regrowth and it comes in. It's like, it's similar to pregnancy, right? You have pregnancy, you hold on to your hair, then you go through this big traumatic event of birth and then you're in this weird state and again, your hair loss after pregnancy is really common. Oh my God, yes. So, you know, it's the same, it's the same kind of mechanisms. It's the same as if somebody goes through, it it can happen in any trauma, really. Hair loss is, is something that can be just kind of, spawned by traumatic events in our lives so and to our bodies bariatric surgery is a traumatic event Mm, you know it's a big deal so yeah gosh i yeah i always think about hair loss and um, Mm -hmm. i i don't know if i told you this or i talked about on the podcast but i had a dear friend in training and i mean it was intense Mm -hmm. to go through surgical training and residency we've talked about that at, at nauseum but she was so stressed because it was coming to a close and it's like almost time for us to operate on our own. And she just couldn't take it. And she lost all of her hair, stress-induced alopecia completely. She lost all of her hair. She even lost her eyebrows and everything. She was so stressed. Wow. So with the stress physically from the surgery, emotionally Mm -hmm. of this massive change, just mentally, how do you get through that and cope? And and, and you really got to work on the mental thing. thing. Otherwise, it's like, you're lying. You're not doing okay. I can tell. And your mane mane is thinning out, my loves. Like, we can tell. Like, let's like recenter. So if you're going through that, Again, you're going to get the regrowth. It's going to come back. Mm-hmm. We need to work on the mental and the protein. And then oh, thoughts on biotin? I don't think it really helps. Yeah. I, I don't know. You're going to get a lot in your bariatric vitamin anyway. There's usually like 2,000% of your daily biotin needs in those. Like they cram them full of it. Yeah. So to add any on top of that, I just don't think. And then the collagen as well. I think there's more research out there about the collagen maybe being beneficial. Um Right. But again, you're, that's a protein. So if you're getting your protein in, you're getting collagen. So I don't know. If you want to add it, go for it. Yeah. The other thing I always tell people to do is go to your hairdresser, mm. ask them for advice, because sometimes there's external things we can do. You know, if you're somebody who bleaches their hair. Um, say what? I don't know anyone <laughs> who does that. Um, but, you know, if you're doing that or you're doing, uh, you know, like a lot of heat in your hair or a perm or something like that. I don't know. if pe- I think people still get perms. Did you ever get a perm? No. I sure did. Oh, really? Yeah, I'll have to no. show you a picture. Oh, yeah. I want to see that. 
Um, but, or chemically straightened or something like that, like maybe not doing those types of things, maybe looking for different shampoos. I know there's like the nioxin shampoo that some people say really helps. I've also read like rosemary oil. Ooh. Um, you can rub on your scalp, like Ooh. look up rosemary scalp treatments. You'll find stuff. Oh, okay. And apparently that can help like to stimulate the, it's like a fairly well proven homeopathic remedy as far as i've seen so there's definitely some stuff you can do as well oh yeah and then now the hair extension game is so good i mean i have these tapins yeah i mean i've been talking about them i put it on there and i still have them in did you know that i still wear them yeah okay you got new ones though right well i got new ones because i accidentally put sunscreen uh, they got in the other ones and that turns them orange, orange. yeah that was she a, had like an orange streak in her yeah, hair that looks ridiculous that was not awful. her greatest moment no it wasn't i've had a lot of bad it's hair okay, days though. but that's okay but as you said the word cycle i wanted to go back to period cycles oh good call yeah a lot of people right before surgery like oh my god i'm gonna be on my period for surgery do we have to postpone i'm like we gotta do that i ain't gonna operate on anybody everyone i think that's another stress thing it's like oh here comes my period just when i don't want it listen we don't even uncover you from waistline down you'll wear pads no tampons in the or no big deal yeah now the other big question this is one please listen to this i get this question every day so do you, is that I was just my period. I was supposed to get my period. I'm super regular. Why is my period here? Or I haven't had my period in five years and my period came right after surgery. Right after surgery. Yeah, and it's going to happen. people have it for weeks. Weeks. Or then it'll stop and then it comes again. Like what? Mine was always like a five-day cycle every 28 days. Like, nope. nope. You're getting your period after surgery and you're going to have erratic all over the place. But, and we're going to do an episode on this, you're going to be more fertile And it's going to happen sometimes instantaneously. So be careful. We do not like that. But we'll talk about about all of that. That's another immediate post-op question we do get. How, when can I have sex? Yeah, we do get that. And that's the same as everything, right? When you feel up to it. Yeah, we do. We sure do get that one. And And um, you might feel up to it. Like more than you expect. Yes, you very much. These hormones are all changing. Oh God, yeah, it's crazy. This surgery, please, like two (laughs) forms of birth control. Like, yeah, we want you know to to prevent pregnancy for ideally 18 months yes exactly but if it happened if you really advanced maternal age that's the reason why you're yeah. doing this we can talk about that sooner yeah. but yes anyway tangent yeah when i heard that, i'm like oh yeah cycles cycles, yeah. cycles. but then it, it should regulate out too it will regulate yeah. out it's amazing so i mean the whole thing is the pcos and all the hormones yeah. and all the the things that go around with the the, the fat and the, how it has hormones in it and yeah it, it's all going to change good. Um, all right. Something else that we can talk about here is things that are stinky. Oh, yeah. Our breath, our burps, our farts. Mm. What's going on there? Yeah, I don't even really know. Um, I think that I, I, everybody, I've gotten calls before and where people are like, my fart stinks and I know my body and I've never smelled something like this. Like and you're this. like, well, what are you eating? Well, I'm still on full liquids. I'm still on the protein shakes. I think the protein shakes are like your body yeah. like wants to absorb um, to make stool, solid stool. So you're gonna your bowel movements are gonna be a little bit looser because you're on the, these, this liquid yeah. diet. And I just think that the farts associated with it are just disgusting. Well, I think protein farts in general, like people who are on high protein oh, diets, yeah. it's just, disgusting. I don't know if it's like the nitrogen or something that <laughs> yeah. we smell, you know, you have just this different balance. So 
that could be yeah. part of it. Um, the the breath. If you're on a really low, um, oh, low carb the diet, ketotic it might be like the ketotic breath. Yes. Um, and if you, especially if you're, you know, again in these first couple weeks, but this has happened with patients like longer out where they're like, I'm just feeling so tired, oh, feeling yeah. sluggish. I'm almost feeling flu like, and I'm like, how many carbs do you eat? And they're like, Oh, well, I'm on like zero carbs. I try to keep it under ten a day because I was told that you know carbs are bad or I should have as few. And it's like, no, 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 no. We're not going for as low as possible yeah you're probably in ketosis which gives you this really like i don't even i've never smelled it i've never had it but i'm imagining just like a rank breath oh yeah well i i I definitely have and that's actually behind like those service dogs um whenever they're like walking around with diabetics they can smell the ketotic breath okay that's what they're smelling and they'll trigger you like your blood sugar is out of whack yeah they can smell like when you're from your breath that's how they that's how they know your blood sugar Wow, I didn't realize that. I always wondered. Those dogs oh, are yeah. amazing. Yeah, they, like my, wake people out of their sleep. Yeah, my um, my my assistant in Baltimore um for many years she she talked about this publicly. She was a very brittle diabetic, and that dog, she loved that dog. Oh, I bet. Her dog's name was Kona. I never quite understood animals, but that one I actually truly you get got. It. I yeah. got it. Yeah. yeah, my cats don't do anything of the sort. No, they they, they haven't yeah. they haven't done enough tricks for me to really like. Oh my gosh, Athena did backflips for you. Okay, that's true. She did do that the one day, but <laughs> oh, these two cats, Apollo yeah. and Athena. I'm, I'm getting to know her cats from I being know. over here. I don't know when this she happened. Doesn't understand it. I don't. Okay, but anyway, the other thing that I think happens too is, I mean, it's your whole gut system is just it's going to be a little out of whack. Your totally. your you know um your flora in your gut. I was is just going to talk changed. about the like, microbiome. Yeah, and, like the gut. The and gut. I, yeah. Yeah. I remember when we talked um, uh, with Dr. Case about this and she said that like, what is it? The bad farts come from eating like the, the better for you foods or something. Yeah. I don't remember. It was one way and I was just like, oh, okay. So it was like <laughs> almost good if your fart smelled bad because it means it's like you're having these like fermentable foods like they're the good bacteria. That means the good bacteria yes. is feeding on them. And so... This, we you should know. put that on our like questionnaire. Like, yeah. if, do your first really reek? And oh yeah, um, okay, good, well, good job. I'm gonna give yeah. you a gold star for yeah. that. There you go. So, what can you do if you do have a lot of gas? Is it just taking gas X? Like, what? Do you I don't think typically? the gas X is gonna help. I mean, yeah. you can. I don't know. I mean, this is also anecdotal, and I don't yeah. think anybody's like, oh, what do you do for a living? Oh, I have my PhD in the smell of farts. Fart you know smells, what I mean? Yeah. You know, fart smells is not a fartology. I yeah. don't. I don't know, but I would say like maybe do like a the probiotic mm-hmm. um, to try to repopulate the good bacteria because you do need the good with the bad, mm-hmm. and then also in the beginning your sleep's out of whack your diet's out of whack yeah. so that just increases like you said like all the the, the negativity just, yeah. and and you'll have some loose stools or you'll be super super constipated like or the most severely constipated of your life like we get that a lot uh-huh. so listen to that whole episode on constipation but there i think that probiotic being regular drinking your fluids and yeah. just it, it's gonna it's gonna be fine once you get to a more regular diet so yeah and you'll probably go through phases where it's up and down and bad you have bad days and good depending on what you've eaten you know oh my god I mean, yeah i hear that all the time like oh my gosh my my partner my my family like can't be in the, like i like literally clear a room at this point yeah but you look really you good look you, look and you probably feel really good <laughs> you look super sexy while you're ripping those yeah. parts that's Speaking really hot of looking really sexy yeah like what? segue yeah what about loose skin okay yes this is now we're thinking 12 months 18 months after surgery mm-hmm. we're kind of further down the line the hair has grown back 
we're feeling good. We've lost the weight, but now we're like, I don't feel, maybe I don't feel good in my actual literal skin because it's loose. Yeah. And for everybody that's so subjective, and we had an amazing episode with Dr. Stephanie Porus of Porus Plastic Surgery on this. And it's, it's, you know, again, what bothers you? There's multiple areas. Uh, You know, if your body was, maybe you're bigger in the hips and thighs, and now your legs bother you. Maybe you had more of that abdominal uh, distribution, and now you have this hanging skin on your abdominal area. Really, what you look like before surgery is not like you're going to get loose skin in your abdomen if your abdomen's kind of small, but it's, you know, all in your arms and breasts. Like it's, it doesn't, it, what's there at the beginning will be there. And again, elasticity properties to the skin. We talk about this a lot. If you're a man, it just bounces back easier if you're darker skinned and if you're younger. So yeah. you still have that, bling, that elastin um, properties there yeah. in the, in the dermis and you have a better chance. But yeah. if if not, um, there's ways that you can potentially get insurance to cover it. Um, or maybe you just don't even care. It's not that yeah. big of a deal. And I don't want everybody to think like, oh, I'm trading one look for another look. And it's you do change undoubtedly, but yeah. I think I think it's I don't think that's truly I don't, I've never met anyone I I, I want to be very honest here I don't think I have a post-op patient mm-hmm. that has lost say significant amounts of weight 150 plus pounds that has said oh I wish I was 150 pounds ago because I don't like the skin because I don't like the skin I, yeah. I just don't think I mean listen it is a mental warfare so then oh, yeah. I know that looking at it like well here I am and I'm so mad at myself forever like like. That's a whole nother thing, but yeah. um, but I think that the benefits obviously uh, outweigh massively um, right. that, and there's ways to fix that too. Yeah, and I, you know, I I think of it as in the perspective of yes, you had think about you had fat tissue before, and now you don't have that anymore. Mm, yeah. And what does that do to you metabolically? Yeah, you know, it it is. It's kind of taking a step back from. We know that people do this for a whole host of reasons, and usually people are doing it for multiple reasons. It's mm-hmm. their health, it's their family, but it's also for their their looks. They want to look Heck different, yeah. and that's totally fair. And and but I think then it's kind of like going back to like what were my other reasons for this? Like yes, maybe my arms are uh, have loose skin, or maybe my stomach does you know and maybe it's frustrating and, and it can be really inconvenient you know i hear people talk about they can't find shirts with mm. like it'll fit their torso but the sleeves are too tight because yeah. they just have the loose skin or you know they they have the hanging over their all over their clothes and things like that and again you can do plastic surgery and then also there's the element of embracing it and loving it and loving yourself in the skin that you're in and seeing you know um what what can you do to just kind of embrace that? And there's a lot of people, I would say, too, on the internet that share that really publicly and they embrace kind of their journey with that. So maybe looking for some of that kind of inspiration of like, all right, she's on the on the bathing on the beach in her bikini and her, you know, tummy is not perfectly flat. It's still got a lot of loose skin and mm-hmm. she looks amazing and like recognizing that that's probably what you look like too. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I know. And gosh, we're all our own worst critics. We, we we talk about the again, the it's mental amazing. toughness is hands down, bar none the hardest part of this journey. Yeah. You can fit. I'll tell you the physical discomfort. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. It's, it'll become a distant memory the minute you fart out the gas pain. I mean, it's, right. it's nothing. You know, it, it's just this ongoing up and down with all of that. Yeah. So okay, well, we went through a lot, and I'm sure there's so many more oh, questions. Um, every time we did, we just recently did a Q and A support group, uh-huh. and. Uh, 
we do, we just get, I'm like, oh, that's such a good question. Yeah. Such a thoughtful question about, you know, how that happened. So we want to hear from you and hopefully this will trigger more questions. And if we didn't answer your question, then either DM us on our Instagram, mm-hmm. Dr. X Dietitian, or I don't know, they can send us a contact, us, send us an email. Yeah. Figure it out. You you know how to get in touch with us. Yeah, if you like don't, I, said, I mean, I'm everywhere. I'm yeah, like, right. I'm like Dr. annoying. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Dovek, Body by Bariatrics, HannahSkyler.rd. Whereas it's all us. We're the ones answering any of those. So yeah. when I say it's Dr. Betsy Dovek, like, you don't have to push stop in all caps. And whenever yeah. I text you, I'm it's like, me. what? Yeah. Wait, I just texted you. <laughs> don't put stop. Oh. That, I, you can tell I brought this up on a few pods now. I'm like, this is like, it hurts oh. feelings. It does. But yeah, so reach out to us. Let us know what questions. If you liked this episode, let us know. We'd be happy to do another one if you like kind of the format of you know, I know a lot of times we focus on such one subject, so kind of another another bouquet, another potpourri, <laughs> as it were. And uh, yes, maybe the next one we will do it in French. Oh, that will be terrible. No. We we no. I know how to say uh du vin rouge, which is two red wines. Oh. And où est la toilette? Where's the toilet? Wow, and parlez-vous anglais? Those were my three French phrases I learned. I'm really, I'm really impressed. <laughs> Do you speak English? Yeah. I uh. mean, I'm impressed with you, Hannah. You <laughs> never cease to amaze me. Let me that, tell you. I can, get, I can get wine, bathroom, and an English-speaking person in France. I got mine is from Beauty and the Beast, so I got bonjour. Bonjour. <laughs> That's all I got. Stunning. All Total. right. Well, we will see you all next time. Yes. Thank you, Dr. X Dietitian fans. Bye. Bye, everyone. <laughs>